the perils of pauline chapter twenty three by charles goddard this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. chapter twenty three a paper chase in baltazar's band which had failed so often to do away with pauline marvin there was nevertheless one man who had attracted the particular interest of raymond owen louis rents physically and mentally brutal he had always been one to oppose baltazar's delays six months before owen would have shuddered at the thought of employing this ruffian then his great aim was to be rid of pauline by the most indirect and secret means but pauline's hairbreadth escape a few weeks before from mademoiselle de langeon's cleverly planned plot the almost incredible rescue of the submarine and recovery of instant summers's torpedo boat plans as well as the fact that the year of adventure was rapidly drawing to a close and that harry's growing hostility and the increasing danger of exposure at the hands of some one of his aides made the secretary willing to take every chance made it imperative that he should have a lieutenant who could be trusted to strike boldly owen sent for rents the man appeared in the guise of a servant seeking employment and was brought up to owen's private sitting-room rents i want you to take charge of my work hereafter said the secretary you mean the work of owen raised his hand in caution the work of conducting a certain person to a far country but balthazar questioned rents i am through with balthazar he's done nothing but procrastinate all his plans have failed because it was to his profit that they should fail i'll do the work quickly what's your present plan a very simple one but one that must be very shrewdly handled it will mean that you and some of your friends will have to make a trip to philadelphia where shall i be able to call you within a day or two at strube's lodging-house in avenue b very well be prepared to act on short notice i'll stick close to the place sir and rents understand that you are to act firmly no balthazar tactics i'm through being tricked i'm sure i never failed you sir said rents with an aggrieved air owen smiled true but temptation occasionally leads even the most honest of men astray he said sarcastically while this last plot was being hatched pauline and harry were playing chess in the library as she checkmated him for the third time he arose in mock disgust they say chess is a perfect mental test i wonder who is the brains of this family now she taunted there's a difference between brains and hair brains you know i lost because i had that chicago thing on my mind oh isn't that settled yet no i'm expecting to be called up any minute with a message that will send me out there oh harry that's terrible when you go to chicago you never get back for a whole week if you like me so much why don't you marry me and go with me on all my trips conceited she began but her face fell again as the telephone bell sounded harry answered it and after a few rapid questions turned to pauline that's what it is he said i go tomorrow i must see owen and rang the bell owen pauline exclaimed upon his entrance 
Harry must go to Chicago tomorrow. Isn't it dreadful? I am very sorry, but I hope it will not be for long. No, said Harry curtly. Look over these papers. An hour later, Owen drew from his typewriter this letter. Miss Pauline Marvin, Carson and Brown Publishers, 9 Weston Place, Philadelphia. New York. Dear Madam, After reading your marine story published in the Cosmopolitan magazine, we have decided you are just the person to write a new serial we have in mind. Would you be interested to call on us at your earliest opportunity? Yours very truly, J.R. Carson. Owen sealed, addressed, and stamped the letter, and enclosed it in a larger envelope, which he addressed to a friend in Philadelphia with instructions to post the enclosure in that city. He did not trust the mailing of the double letter to a servant, but putting on his motor-togs, prepared to ride to Westbury. "'Well, he's got a reprieve. He's going to stay with us one more day,' Pauline cried happily as she met Owen in the hall. For the flash of an instant, something twinged at the cold heart of the secretary. The bright beauty of Pauline, her happiness, her love for her foster-brother, struck home the first realization of something missing, and never to be achieved, in his grim existence. Perhaps for the moment Raymond Owen had a dim understanding of the value of innocence. The next afternoon Pauline stood on the veranda bidding Harry good-bye. "'I hate to go, Polly, but I must.' he said i hate to leave you with that secretary harry please don't start again on that you know i don't agree with you and and i don't want to quarrel with you when you're going away very well he said embracing her but don't get into any of your scrapes while i'm away remember it's a long way to chicago <laughs> and temporary she laughed good-bye darling boy and run home the minute you can i will good-bye Pauline had turned dejectedly back toward the house when the sound of steps on the walk drew her attention. It was the postman. "'I'll take them,' she said, extending her hand. She ran over the envelope swiftly until she came to one which bore the corner mark of a publishing concern in Philadelphia. She had never heard of the firm of Carson and Brown, but, to her enthusiasm of young authorship, the very name publisher was magical. She opened the letter hastily and read— for a moment she stood spellbound with happiness. The realization of her dreams was at hand. Publishers were calling for her work instead of sending it back when she sent it to them. With a glad cry, and waving the treasured letter, she rushed out into the garden to Owen. "'It's happened!' she sang gaily. "'I am discovered!' "'You're what, Miss Pauline?' "'Don't you understand? Can't you see?' Well, not exactly why you slant that letter above your head like a reprieve or a doomed man. Well, read it. She leaned breathlessly over his shoulder as he read the familiar lines. Miss Pauline, it is splendid, he exclaimed. I was always sure you would be successful with your writing. Yes, you encouraged me to get new experiences, while Harry always opposed me, she said. But, oh, I wish Harry was here to see this. Shall you go to Philadelphia? inquired owen indeed shall and instantly is it so urgent as that of course they might change their minds any moment and get someone else to write the story will you see what train i can take this evening owen while i run and pack a few things uh, with pleasure but don't you think someone ought to accompany you to philadelphia nonsense it's just like crossing the street please owen don't you begin to worry about every little thing i do 
<laughs> very well <laughs> he laughed as soon as she was gone he selected a timetable and scanned the train list then he took up the telephone and called a number hello rents this is owen it worked be at the pennsylvania station with your men tonight and rents if the plan i give you fails i leave it to you to invent a new one you understand what no i don't want any return this time before owen had helped pauline into her car and bidded her good-bye rents and his men were on watch at the railroad station good-bye and good luck pauline was standing in the aisle the porter stowed her baggage into her drawing-room when the men entered the car she noted them with curiosity there was nothing very sinister about them but they seemed obviously out of place but the next moment she had forgotten about them and for the twentieth time was reading her own story in the cosmopolitan for now in the light of the magic it had wrought she was bent on studying every word to absorb the power of her own genius so to speak in order that her publishers should not be disappointed in the forthcoming novel when pauline got off the train at philadelphia she did not notice that one of the four men who had aroused her curiosity walked behind her as she left or that he was joined by the three others in the taxicab which followed hers when she left the cab at one of the fashionable hotels rents alone followed her he was at pauline's elbow when she registered as she followed the bellboy through the lobby he stepped to the desk and noting the number of pauline's room number twenty two he signed his name under hers with a flourish by the way he said easily to the clerk is that pet room of mine vacant the one i had last year the clerk smiled i'll see he said i had forgotten it was your pet room i can't remember everybody oh i was just here for a few days said rents i remember you yes sir twenty-four is yours said the clerk front rents stood at the cigar counter to make a purchase he did not wish to follow pauline so closely that she might know that he had taken the room next to hers in spite of her excitement pauline slept soundly that night the next morning she had breakfast in her own room and at ten o'clock was ready to go to carson and brown's she was considerably provoked by the ignorance of the hotel clerk who not only did not know the publishing house of carson and brown but could not even direct her to weston place he called the head porter and taxicab manager the latter had an idea i don't think it's weston place but there's a weston street down in well it's not a very good section of the city miss uh, i wouldn't want to never mind in new york some of our best publishing houses are perfect barns you may call a taxicab yes miss publishing house in weston street Whew. But she doesn't look crazy, he instructed one of his chauffeurs. I don't know what the game is, but it's a good job. Pauline's spirits revived as the cab whisked her through the big busy streets, newly a bustle with their morning life. She had a sense of pity for the workers hastening to their uninspired toil. How few of them had ever received even a letter from a publisher! How few had known the thrill of successful authorship! A few moments after Pauline's departure, Louise Rents and his companions set to work. 
two of the men left the room and sauntered to opposite ends of the hall where they lingered on watch rents and the other man stepped out briskly and each with a screwdriver in his hand began unfastening the number plates over the doors of rooms twenty two and twenty four a low cough sounded down the corridor and they quickly desisted from their task and retired to their room while a maid passed by in a moment they were out again rents passed the number plate of twenty four to his assistant who handed back the plate of twenty two the numbers were refastened on the wrong doors the watchers were called back now said rents it is only a matter of waiting pauline's cab passed out of the central city into the region of factories this looks like the section where the print shops are in new york she said confidently to herself but the driver kept on into streets of dingy ancient houses streets crowded with unkept children and lined with pushcarts are you sure you got the right address of them publishers miss he asked after a while the next street is weston and it don't look very promising she drew the letter from her handbag and showed it to him well that's the queerest thing i know he said astonished by the letterhead i've been driving cabs horse and taxi for twenty years and i've never heard of no such people or no such place well at least go around to the corner and see perhaps it is a new firm that isn't listed as yet said pauline the driver swung the cab into a street even more bleak and bedraggled than the one they had just traversed he stopped and got out pauline followed him a blurry-eyed man slouched on a stoop looked up in faint curiosity as she addressed him there ain't no number nine weston street he answered it used to be over there but it's burnt down pauline's face fell well this is certainly stupid she exclaimed of course it isn't weston street it's weston place as the letter says but my city guide ain't got no such place in it miss answered this chauffeur well i'll go back to the hotel she said dejectedly she was on the verge of tears as she left the elevator and started for her room she had looked through all the directories and street guides and knew at last that she had been the victim of a cruel hoax all her joy and pride of yesterday had turned to humiliation and grief she wanted to be alone and have a good cry she was puzzled for a moment as she drew her key from her handbag and glanced at the numbers on the doors she had been almost sure that number twenty two was the left-hand door but she had been in such excitement that she could not trust any of her impressions she started to place the key in the lock of the right-hand door like a flash it opened inward and two pairs of hands gripped her her cry was stifled by a hand over her mouth she was dragged into the room End of chapter twenty three a paper chase